Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. morning, everyone. Glad to see you in church this morning. Uh, I just want to echo real quickly what that video said. Uh, if you were here at that last night of KSO, it's hard to even think back on without wiping tears from your eyes. Um, something as silly as sticking a shovel in the ground and getting kids in construction hats and just uh, anointing a building, praying for a building, uh, knowing that we're standing on ground that God is going to use so powerfully to, to fill with people, to fill with souls. Uh, I, I don't even know. There's, there was a presence of God in that place. Uh, that, was, that was incredible, and we're so looking forward to continuing on with the project that will be getting started uh, shortly. And uh, thank you again for all of your faithful giving, for all of your faithful support. We appreciate you so much. Why don't you give yourselves a hand for being such an amazing church? You guys didn't give yourselves nearly as amazing of a hand as you deserved, but it's awkward. I get it. So um, anyways, uh, tonight or today, we're going to be starting a a series, as Pastor Aaron referenced, on the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is what we're going to be talking about for this week and and the month of September. It kind of goes well off the heels of our Kings and Prophets series, uh, and as well as uh, launches us into where we really want to go uh, for the month of September. So if you've got a book, a Bible, I just said a book. If you've got a book, just open it to wherever you know. The book of Daniel, chapter one, is where we're going to be headed today. I'm going to read the story uh, and then uh, we'll pray and we'll get, we'll get into it. Daniel chapter one, I'm going to read uh, the entire first chapter. Um, it's a great story, kind of sets the course for the rest of the book. Uh, and then I'll give some background and we'll go for it. Here we go. Daniel chapter one. Verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put treasure in the house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court official, of officials, to bring to the king's service some of, Israel's, or some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them, this is Ashpenaz, was to teach these boys the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them daily amounts of food and wine from the king's table. There they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. 
Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who, were, who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food, the wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables instead. To these, young, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to these four, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters of the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So as I said, we're going to be uh, launching this series uh, about Daniel today. And if you've read the book of Daniel before, you'll remember some amazing stories, Sunday school stories, uh, that are just so amazing and powerful to think back on or, or think uh, about. Um, and this kind of sets the course for a number of them. Daniel chapter 1, where we're going today, sets the course for uh, interpretation of dreams by Daniel. It sets the course for uh, the story of the fiery furnace. Uh, it sets the course for Daniel and the lion's den, the, the handwriting on the wall where we got the name of our series. And, and Daniel, the, and the second half, Chapter 7 through 12 are incredible visions that Daniel received uh, from God that, that are still possibly playing out before us. And so Daniel has an amazing life that he has lived for God. And, and Daniel chapter 1 is kind of what sets the course for that. And we've, we, we chose it for our month of September. Uh, and specifically, we decided to kick it off today to go along with our back to school blessing. Because Daniel kind of gives us a pattern to follow as we enter into a, a new routine, a new fall season. And so we're believing that we can follow the pattern of Daniel, but also that God is going to give us the influence that Daniel received in this kingdom of Babylon. Even though the, the, the culture wasn't great, even though the system wasn't great, even though it was less than desirable for Daniel, his decision to honor God opened up doors of favor and influence that he never thought possible. And we're believing that to happen as we go back to school, as, as we continue in our jobs, as we do whatever we do, we're believing that this year is going to be a year of influence. And so uh, we're going to pray and then we're going we're to break this story down. So will you, will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that you are so good. We thank you for your word that we get to unpack today. We thank you for the story of Daniel, the person that he was, the life that he lived, and the example that he set. God, I pray that as we unpack it and as we look at it today, that you would help us to learn from him, that you would help us to live like him in a way that honors you and opens up doors that we never thought possible for you to work. God, we trust you completely just as Daniel did. And today we ask you to move in our hearts, to teach us, to, to show us, to work inside of us. We give you permission and we ask you to do whatever you want to do today. In Jesus' name, we all said Amen, amen. How many of you guys watch the show This Is Us? Raise your hand if you watch This Is Us. My wife and I have really gotten into this show. It's one of the shows that we actually watch that's from today. Uh, a number of things that we watch on Netflix, we just watch over and over, and they were on years past. But uh, this show is particularly devastating to us because, because it's playing out live, like it's, the, the series isn't complete yet. We have to watch week by week instead of just binge watching. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you watch 
binge watch on Netflix and you can just watch an entire season in a day and it's like 10 p.m. at night and you're like, I should really stop. But the Netflix just keeps playing it for you and you're like, well, okay, just one more season and then I'm done, I promise. <laughs> but, but This Is Us, it stops right at it. But I love, I love the show This Is Us and there's... Um, one particular thing that I, I find so funny that they do in this, if you know the characters, um, you'll remember what, what I'm talking about. But if not, I'm sure you can still relate. There's uh, two characters, a husband and a wife, Randall and Beth, and they love to play this game when situations don't seem to be going in their favor. They call it worst case scenario. And... Uh, it's when they don't have a good feeling about something. Something's going on in their family or uh, their brother or sister. Something's not right, and they're, they're scared, and they want to vocalize their worst fears about the scenario uh, because then it helps them to feel better, like, okay, that's, that's not legitimate. That, okay. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but they, they play this game called worst-case scenario. For example, uh, they, there's, a, there's a problem with a foster daughter, and they think, all right, worst-case scenario, she's mad at us. What could it happen? And they say, uh, she could kill us in our sleep. And the, and the wife says, no, she could kill us while we're alive or, or while we're awake. And it's just like, man, that got real real quick. But uh, th we often do this. I've realized as they do it, it's so funny to me that they play this game because... The, the game that they play may, kind of makes fun of what at least I do, and I'm sure all of us do, inside of our own heads. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you can relate. Like, you're home alone. There's a creek in the floor. Your house is a million years old, so you know it's just wood settling, but you're like, crap, somebody broke in. I'm dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe I'm alone. Um, but, but we all have these worst-case fears. Somebody knocks on the door, and it's like, oh, crap, what bills did I forget to pay? They're here to collect it. I don't have any money on me right now. Oh, my gosh, I'm gonna, freaking out. And we all have these worst-case scenarios in small things and in little things. And what I've noticed that I do uh, is that when these things go on in my own head, I pre-plan out these worst-case scenarios for myself. And then it's almost as if I'm expecting them to happen, and of course when I expect them to happen, they do happen. Not the one where people kill me. Nobody's killed me or broken into my house yet. But uh, like these, these life scenarios that I picture being the worst case scenario, and I almost plan for them in my head, and sure enough, they come to pass, and my head takes me to this, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it, and, and the end result is I end up getting bitter. Or sometimes, on large scales, people have these terrible happenings in their life, and they always say, I knew this. I should have known. I should have expected. How could I have not known? And they come to expect these things, and when the worst-case scenario happens, they end up getting bitter, whether it be at somebody else, a spouse, a friend, a brother or sister. Sometimes they even get bitter at God. And the reason I bring up worst-case scenarios is because often we look at the Bible and we view them as these individual stories, but these are human beings with real-life scenarios, with real-life happenings. And Daniel, in this story, as, as we go through the book of Daniel, the, the beginning of the book, the background of the book, is about as worst case of a scenario as Daniel ever could have imagined. Daniel is a man of God who lives in the kingdom of Judah. He's a part of the, likely a part, a descendant of the royal family because he's brought in as a choice man. So he's got a good life. He is, uh, he, he is an honoring God man. The way that he lives honors God, but the, the culture around him, the Israelite people, did not honor God with their life, did not honor God with their living, and so God would warn them numerous times, knock it off, stop it, turn from your idols, turn from your behaviors, turn back to me or else. And when God says or else, he actually means it. And so Daniel, is, is, he's got his life in order, at least it seems. He's acting in a way that honors God. He's living the best way that he can. 
But the people around him choose not to live that way. So God, because he sees the whole picture and not just one individual, allows the kingdom of Israel to be taken, or the kingdom of Judah rather, to be taken into Babylonian captivity. A terrible thing for the nation of God's people. God wanted their attention, so he allows them. But for Daniel to have to live through this time in a nation that once was so great with King David and King Solomon, and they had all of the the, the gold and the silver and all the splendor, and God was with them, and they were honoring God with their actions, and now for it to descend all the way here, where they dishonor God with their living, and now they've ignored God for so long that he allows them to be taken into captivity. It's a terrible time to be alive for him and his nation. And not only is it terrible for him to be a part of this nation that is now taken captive by Babylon, but Daniel is among the first batch to go. So now it's not only a national crisis, but also a personal crisis. Not only is some people from his nation taken into captivity, now he is among those that have to deal with the consequences. He's among the first ones that are taken into the captivity of the Babylonians where they will re write what Israel is supposed to be like. And and that starts to happen in chapter 1, and Daniel resists it, which we're getting into today. But for Daniel, I can hardly imagine a worse case scenario. National crisis, personal crisis, what does he do? And I love Daniel because rather than get bitter... I believe that his response to this national and personal crisis is something that we can learn from when we come in contact with our worst case scenarios or when we look out at our world and think, you know, things aren't exactly how I want them to be or how I would wish they would be or even I think that how God would want them to be. That doesn't mean we give up, get defensive, get bitter. That means that we can look to God just as Daniel did and, and there's some steps that he, that he follows that I think are are brilliant, they're incredible, and opens doors, as, as I said, opens doors for influence, opens doors for God's favor that, that are hardly matched anywhere else. Daniel is, is among the smartest, among the fittest, the most handsome, and so when they get this first batch of, of Israelites, they bring them into the kingdom of Babylon, and he is chosen among these few, along with his three other friends. And so they're chosen to serve, or to learn to be taught for three years before they enter the king's service. So Babylon is playing the long game. They know the strategy, and I think they have a great strategy, honestly, a wise strategy. They take these young boys, probably in their teenage years, and they're strong, they're fit, they're smart, and they retrain them. They, they, they learn them in the Babylonian ways. And when that time is up, when they've been trained, then they enter into the king's service. And it's a, a wise way of going about it, but the first thing that they do, I think, is incredibly interesting. The first thing they do is they attempt to give these boys new names, Babylonian names. And I think it's interesting because names in the Old Testament, if you look up the meaning of names, oftentimes they have a large significance tied to their name, a meaning, a story that plays out through their life is tied through their, the, the name that they've been given. And so the names of these boys are all God-honoring names, Israelite names. Daniel means God is judge. Here's another, uh, the rest of the three is God is gracious. God is great and no one can compare to him. And God has helped. So they're all God honoring names. They all are names that, that, that show God and, and parts of his character, parts of who he is, parts of what he can do. And, and they're all God honoring Israelite strong names that show, that showcase who God is. 
But when they bring them into Babylon, they start to teach the, the Babylonian ways. And the first thing that the Babylon, or Babylonians do to these young men is they try to re-identify them. And I think the first test that these boys had to, to pass was the re-identification test. You see, they tried to change their names from God is judge, God is gracious, there's no one like God, God has helped. They changed them from that to either meaningless names like servant of blank and whoever they would serve. Or some, something like uh, that, that would specifically worship an idol God that they, had no, they wanted no part in, but the Babylonians worshipped them so they would rename them something like that. So they would re-identify these boys because knowing the meaning of names, their, their purpose, their identity was tied to their name and its meaning. And so these boys are renamed from God-honoring names to names that would honor Babylonian gods, false idol gods, or just to reflect their purpose. And it says to Daniel, Belteshazzar, and then there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they get these new names. But what I find interesting is we read our Bible today and we're not turning to the book of Belteshazzar. We're turning to the book of Daniel. So despite the Babylonians' greatest efforts, somehow it didn't stick. Somehow he was able to, to escape that stigma, to escape the re-identification of the Babylonians. And I think it's because Daniel knew that he must re resist the efforts of the Babylonians to give him a new name and a new purpose. He knew who he was. And he knew who God had created him to be. And he wasn't going to listen to anybody else. He knew that God was his judge. He knew that God was his creator. He knew that God was who he was called to live for and to honor. And so knowing that that was his purpose, knowing that was his identity, he resisted the efforts of the Babylonians. And today we're still reading the book of Daniel because he stood firm and knew who he was. Or rather, he knew whose he was. And he wasn't going to allow his name to be changed or even shifted to honor anybody else. And today, I think that names, of course, don't mean as much. You can look up your names and it can mean something silly. We just like the way names sound today. Sometimes names have meaning, but not as much as in the Old Testament. But many of us can relate to Daniel in the fact that we need to know who we really, truly are. We need to know what our identity is. We need to know whose we are. We need to know where we belong. We need to know who calls us by name and what our purpose and, and meaning in life is. And so many of us search for belonging in areas that were never meant to be the places that we looked. Friendships, relationships, things that make us feel popular or things that, that cause us to go high for a moment but crash back down to earth later on. Some of us are tempted to, to label ourselves according to our circumstances or our past or our current struggles. I see that all the time that people say, I am this, and it's, it's simply not true. We identify ourselves by our circumstances, our struggles, the things that we're going through, and we convince ourselves that that's who we really, truly are, when in reality, God has a different way of calling us. He doesn't see you by your sin or struggles or past or any of it. He sees you for who he made you to be, who you truly are, and who, what he has created you and destined you to be. The first test that Daniel passed that I think we need to as well. If we want to see doors of influence open up for us, doors of God's favor open up for us, is we need to know who and whose we really are. We belong to God. He's the one that has created us. He's the one that can call us by name, and he's the one that defines our purpose. 
Not the enemy, not struggles, not circumstances, not past living, none of it. God determines our identity. The second one that I think that Daniel really does well on, in my Bible, the NIV translation uses this specific word as the test of resolve. The test of resolve. You see, Daniel, as I mentioned before, back, looking back, when he was in Judah, he, when he was an Israelite living in his own land, he was God-honoring. He lived well. At least that's, that, that's the point that we're being made to believe, and, and that he is, he's God-honoring. He knows who he is. He knows who his God is. And, and he resolved not to defile himself, is what the Bible says, with the king's food and drink. And I find that interesting because Daniel would have had to go into this scenario already knowing what he would stand on and stand for. Because all of the people that were brought in, it wasn't just these four, there was a, a large crowd of Israelites that, would, that were coming here, that were uh, being trained in the Babylonian ways, and we know four of them by name. But Daniel was a, a member of a large crowd who were all casually going about accepting their new way of living in Babylon. Eating the king's food, drinking the king's drink, learning the new ways of this life, learning the language, learning the literature, accepting the names. But Daniel, it says, but Daniel resolved. Daniel resolved in his heart not to defile himself. Now, I'm not going to get into the Old Testament rules, but at this time, it was unclean. It would have been considered unrighteous for him to eat the king's meat, much of which was probably declared unclean because of the type of meat that it was, as well as the fact that this meat would have been more than likely offered to Babylonian idols. And so Daniel decides right from the get-go, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to accept this food and drink. I'm not going to defile myself. So I'm going to choose, no matter what it takes, I'm going to choose to stand for what I believe and honor God with my living. I think that's commendable of Daniel that despite the fact that all of his friends seem to be fine with just accepting their new way of living. Oh, this is our new way of life. I guess we'll have to eat this delicious steak. We'll have to eat this delicious seafood. Darn it, man, we're going to have to adjust to the Babylonian ways. Oh, well. Daniel says, I don't care what it costs me. I will not, I resolve not to defile myself with this food. I will honor God. With my living. And as the rest of the world around him goes about with their casual compromises, just accepting the way that things are, quote unquote, Daniel takes a stand and says, I will not. I'll honor God, no matter the cost. And I can't imagine the cost it would have been. I don't picture Daniel as a vegetarian. <laughs> he turns down choice wine, choice meat, and says, Nah, give me veggies and water. Give me veggies and water. That's, that's a big sacrifice for, for a lifetime. For a three-year span, he says, I will not defile myself with the food that you have chosen for me, no matter how delicious it is, how great it is, or what other people think, or whatever other people are doing. Give me veggies and water, and I will honor my God. And I've heard it said today um, that, well, I, I haven't heard it said. I, I've seen it happen today, rather, that, it's so easy to conform and compromise in our culture. There's a specific time I remember being in high school. I was a, a freshman or a sophomore, and we did this test. Um, 
it was called a conformity test where we brought 7th and 8th graders into a classroom like four or five at a time. And we told the 8th graders um, that they were supposed to raise their hand for the wrong answer on an obvious question and see if the 7th graders just adjusted to that or if they didn't. So we brought two pencils and said, which one's longer? And one's this big and one's this big. Option one is this big, option two is this big. Which pencil is longer? Option one, and the seventh graders like shoot up their hand and then look around and nobody else puts it. And they put their hand back in their pocket. Option two, and then everybody raises their hand. Even though it's so clear which one is obviously right. And it, it, it baffles our mind because it's such a simple, clear answer, but it makes me think that if it's so easy to conform to that, how easy is it to conform to the customs and the patterns of this world? Meaning that we have to decide today, before we get ourselves in these scenarios, whether we're in seventh grade or we're adults, whether we're in the workplace or whether we're hanging out with friends, we have to decide beforehand that we will resolve to honor God with our living. Because if we don't, we'll find ourselves in these scenarios. And as silly as it sounds, as obvious as it sounds, we've all seen it happen. Where people step into a situation and think, no, I'm good. But they haven't really decided in their heads that I will honor God. And they find themselves in these casual compromising modes. And I want to tell you today that the devil's not going to probably come at you today and say, worship me. And you'll say, okay. But what often happens in our life is we find ourselves in these compromising scenarios and we convince ourselves this won't hurt. Just this one time. And little after little, little by little, we make these casual compromises that lead us away from God. I've heard it said this way. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So today we have to decide what we believe before we find ourselves in these scenarios. Daniel believed from the very beginning that I know what's right, I know what's wrong. And no matter, no matter what it costs me or what anyone else says, I will stand for God. I will honor him with my living. And we need to make the same choice today, resolving. I will honor God. I will honor his word and what he commands. The next one that I believe he passes the test, it's kind of closely related. Uh, but I believe there's, there's another step past just resolving, and that's action. Daniel took action based on his beliefs. Daniel knew that, that just saying I believe something isn't enough. He said, give me the veggies and give me the water. It wasn't just a Hey, can I have veggies and water? And they say, uh, and he says, okay, fine, just give me the choice. No, he, he decided that he was going to push this as far as he can and took action. And so he said, when, when, when he got a little pushback from his overseer, he, they said, I, you know, I don't know if, uh, if we should do this because what is the king going to say when he comes in here and sees the choice meat and choice wine people and they're all buff and Daniel, you're looking all scrawny. I can't be held responsible for that. He actually says, the king would have my head. And Daniel says, okay, test it. 10 days. In the Bible, the number 10 is representative of faithfulness. So Daniel was putting God's faithfulness to the test. Saying, God, you will, you will come through. He put his faith in action. Saying, I know that I'm not in control of what happens. I can't eat vegetables and I'll do all the push-ups I can do and all of that. But I can't promise that I'm going to look better. I can't promise that I'm going to be smarter. I can't promise that I'm going to be better. But I know that there's a God that will honor me if I honor him. And so he puts his actions out there to match his beliefs. He puts his faith on the line. He says, God, you'll come through. Ten days. Test me and my buddies. Veggies 
and water. And God, sure enough, comes through. And after 10 days, the whole camp, all of them, all of their diets are switched to veggies and water because of how God came through for them. And I love it because it's, it doesn't even make sense how this would happen. And that's exactly why the king was so worried about, about Daniel. But you have to realize that God can make things happen that we can't. And that's exactly what Daniel was putting to the test. He said, I can't make this happen. The circumstances honestly don't even look good. But I have decided that I believe God. I trust God. And I will not defile myself. I've resolved that much. Now, God, you take care of the result and you take care of the circumstances from here. And I think that something that we today in our culture, in our United States of America, we are so terrified of relinquishing control because we think that we can handle it. And so we trust God all the way up until our limits. But when it's out of our hands, it's out of our control, we start to pull back and push back a little bit. But Daniel sets a pattern and sets an example for us by saying, I don't know what the results are going to be after the 10 days. Test it. I don't know. In all possibility, in all likelihood, when Daniel puts that to the test, he didn't know what God was going to do. He didn't know if it was going to work out or not. But God came through, sure enough, despite the circumstances looking not so great. Daniel resolved in his heart. And he put his faith on the line. His action matched up with his beliefs, and God honored it he some things and I would say most things are oftentimes better left in God's hands God knows better than we can he's more powerful than we are he he's smarter than we are he's more wise he knows what he's doing so when you decide to put your belief out there we can know that we can act on it and we can trust God so in the face of national and personal crisis, in the face of the culture being less than desirable, more even past that, honestly, worshiping idol gods, doing everything that they knew they shouldn't do, spitting on the face of the one true God, the God of Israel, the God that we worship today. Daniel knew. First of all, he knew who he belonged to. And because he knew who he belonged to, he wouldn't accept the new re-identification that he was given. He knew what he stood for, so despite his friends, despite all the people that he was captive, captivated with, making these casual compromises, Daniel knew, I have to stand for this. I have to stand for what honors God. And he knew that he could count on God to act. So when, even when he had to relinquish control, when things were beyond his limits, he said, God, I trust you. And he put his faith on the line, put his God and his faithfulness to the test when it was out of his control. And as we look through the book of Daniel for the, rest of the, or for the month of September, we will see story after story after story of unmatched favor an influence in Daniel's life. Where he gets to stand before the king and interpret his dreams. Where he gets to point out things to people. Where he gets to see God at work. So much God does in his life. And I love the first chapter because it doesn't just happen to Daniel. It's because he knew who he was. He knew what he stood for. And he knew he could trust his God to act. 
Chapter 1 sets the course for many miracles, visions, and the working of God through his Holy Spirit in Daniel's life. And as we start this month, as we do the back-to-school blessing in this service, that's what we're believing for. First of all, that all of us would follow this pattern that Daniel sets for us, knowing who we are, knowing what we believe, and trusting God to act. And when we do that, just like Daniel, we can step through doors of opportunity and influence and favor that we never thought possible. That's what we're believing for as kids go back to school. As we get back into a routine of fall and, and, and all of that, we're believing for doors of influence. We're believing for doors of opportunity. Just as Daniel experienced, but it didn't just happen. It was a pattern that he set, honoring God, knowing who he belonged to. We have to know today that if we know our identity, if we know what we believe, and we know that God will act when it's out of our control and we trust it, the same happens for us. We step through doors of opportunity. We, we, we meet people that we never thought possible. We see people respond to Jesus that we never thought would. All of these things happen, but not until we choose these things. Today, we're gonna do the back to school blessing. If you don't know what that is, Every year as the kids get back to school and teachers go back to school or homeschool families get back into the swing of it, we ask anybody that is at all involved in the education system to come forward. And we anoint you with oil, we put it on your forehead and we pray with you and pray for you. And in just a moment, Pastor Paul is going to come out there and do that. But I want you to know today that we're not just doing this as a ritual that we like to do every year because school's coming up and all that. We want to do this with you. We want to say with you that we will honor God in our schools. We will honor him with our living and our words. We will know who God is and what he said, who he's created us to be. We'll honor him and we'll trust him to act. And that's what we're believing for this school year. And so uh, if you're, in, why don't we all stand together and if you're at all involved in school, whether you're in 4K or a 12th grader or going to college or you're, you're an educator, will you just come forward to the front? And we want to pray with you. There's going to be plenty of people. We're going to do this in both of our services today. We just want to pray for you. We'll anoint you with oil and believe for these things to happen, for doors of opportunity, unmatched favor as we, set, or as we follow this pattern. All right, I'm going to hop out on the floor here, and Pastor Paul's going to pray over us. Come on up if you haven't come. Parents of homeschool families, we don't care if you're uh, the assistant to the assistant to the janitor. If you're in a school, we want to pray for you today. We know that education is a place of influence. Every single day of my life, I pray for you and our churches all throughout Wisconsin. I pray that God will help us to influence our culture more than our culture influences us. Here's your chance. So this morning, we're going to pray as I lead us in a prayer I'm going to ask all of you as a congregation, please join me. Uh, don't, don't just think, I wonder how long this is going to last. It won't take that long, but I'm going to ask you to join us in real prayer. These are world changers here. Let's believe that there'll be Daniels and there'll be Hananiahs and Mishaels and Azariahs and, and that instead of Babylon assuming them, they'll change the course of Babylon. That's our prayer this morning. How many of you can agree with that out there? Can you say amen? All right. Well, first thing we're going to do, if you're up here today, if you're a young person, you're in elementary school. You go anywhere from nursery school uh, all the way up before you're not yet in junior high. Raise your hand or parents, get them up here somewhere where we can pray for them. All right. Okay, so we have people who are going to pray for you. Elementary school, come on up. 
They're going to anoint you. I'm going to lead us in prayer. While they're anointing, would you join me in this prayer right now, all those elementary students? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for these little children that are brought up. Even as you, Lord Jesus, were presented with little children to be taken upon your lap and to put your hand upon them and bless them, we pray that you'll put your hand on these and bless them. We pray, Father, that they would be gifted with the ability to be protected from the evil of influence of evil, but they, the light of Jesus would shine through them to influence others. Keep them in your hand. Guide them by your grace. Strengthen them in their heart. Build their character and make them like you. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, that you would give their parents, particularly grandparents and families, strength and wisdom, to have the resolve to follow God, the courage to act correctly, and the wherewithal to know who they really are. May these parents guide these families in that way, in Jesus' name. If you can agree, say amen. All right, let's now have junior high. Who's in junior high? Raise your hand. Come on forward. Anybody? All right. Get your hands up so they can see you, all right? Junior high. I got a lot of little guys down here all in junior high. They, they listen to your sermon. They're all raising their hands. So, uh, all right, we're going to pray for junior high people today, all right? Would you stretch your hands out in the congregation toward them, and these folks will anoint them and pray for them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, it's entirely possible that Daniel and some of his others, friends, were taken captive at about this age in their life. We think of young David. Uh, and the first times you spoke to him. And we pray that you will guide these children right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray that you would give them courage and strength. We pray that right now, when so many will be searching for who they are, that these children prayed for in our services today will never search because they will know that they belong to God their Father through Jesus their Savior. We pray that you bless them and strengthen them and keep them and guide them. We pray that you use them and we pray that you give them the resolve to say no to what you dislike and to say yes to what pleases you. We pray that you give them parents and guardians and families that will be able to help and strengthen them in the name of Jesus. And we all say amen. All right, uh, high school. Looks like we got some high school kids up here. If you're in high school, step forward a little bit so they can see where you are, all right? High school students, you're the Daniels. Uh, certainly, almost certainly, this was the age that he stepped forward. We're going to pray for them right now. Congregation, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray for these high school students right now. In the name of Jesus, we lift them to you. We pray, Father, according to the word of God, at a time when peer pressure moves so many to do the wrong thing, we pray that they will have more pressure from you to do the right thing. We pray that you guide them and keep them, that you strengthen their faith and that you keep their minds. We pray in the name of Jesus that you help them to overcome the struggles they will face, that you will give them wisdom and insight to learn and understand what they need to learn and understand to be the best they can be. We pray your blessing on every single one of them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
How about college students? College students or adult students? No matter if you're going to college, maybe you're going back to school, you're an adult, we're going to pray for you. All right. Some excited college kids uh, getting ready to go off to school. Let's pray for them now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift these people to you. We thank you, Father, that uh, uh, we know that you can strengthen and will strengthen the faith and the resolve of these people. At a time when so many of the faith, so much of the faith of so many seems to be washed away. We pray, Father, that from within these, rivers of living water will flow and that you will strengthen and use them and bless them and keep them. We pray that you keep them from harm and danger, from evil and temptation, and that you will guide them in their studying and in their learning, that you would put your hand upon them and make them better. Use them. We commit them to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's have teachers, educators, anybody who works in education, parents of homeschools are going to pray for you guys. And step forward, if you will. Don't be shy. Come on up. All right. Stretch your hands out for this group. Our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, as this group of people stands forward to you, so many of them entered this career because they desire to serve. And faced with so many challenges in their world, we now pray that you resurrect that desire and that you anoint it with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you give them grace and wisdom. We pray that you help them to have resolve and courage. We pray that you will give them the grace of Daniel to know when to speak up, what to say no to, and what to say yes to. We pray that you give them the joyful spirit of Jesus' grace in their life and in their careers, strength to fulfill their duties, wisdom to act in a way that pleases you, and that you would guide them and help them in every way that they need. We ask your help right now, according to the word of God, in the name of Jesus. Now, before we send you loose, Here's the word, key words in the phrase that Jordan read from Daniel 1. The king's assistant was really afraid that they would be worse. And they ended up 10 times what? Help me out. Better. You follow God. You put Jesus first. You do what you heard in the sermon today and trust God. Believe that We're going to believe that he's going to make you better, not worse, because of it. That will be our last prayer. We're going to pray that God makes them better. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you make these better. That we pray that you would help them with their resolve. And now we pray that you would cause them to be better. Better in their studies. Better in their behavior. Better in their health. Better in their concept of, of social integration. Better in their families. Better in their home life. Better in their faith life, Father. Ten times better. We pray for it in the name of Jesus. That these would influence their culture more than their culture influences us. That they would be the salt and the light that Jesus said all of your followers would be. We pray it in the name of Jesus. And if you can agree, I want you to say amen. amen. Now, before you go, would you just bow your heads with me for this last moment? Because today could be the most important day. Uh, you can stay up here right where you are, if you will. Could be the most important day in your life because what really needs to happen before all of this concept of church really comes home and makes real sense, there has to be a decision. A decision to look to who Jesus Christ is and say, yes, I want him in my life. I want to say yes to him. I want to welcome him to be my savior. 
in a very real and personal way. With every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. I want you to welcome Jesus. I want to say yes. If that describes you, would you raise your hand this morning? Anyone here today? Yes, this could be your moment. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day, the great message, the wonderful time, and our, our awesome people that we get to fellowship with today. Bless them. Send them out for your glory in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. If you would like prayer for something, you may come forward, and we will have people here to pray for